You are listening to The Recovered Therapist, brought to you by FreshOutOfPlans.com. I'm Jeannie Griffin, and I'll be your host. Instead of focusing on labels, diagnoses, and psychobabble, we keep things honest, simple, and hopeful so that you can grow personally and spiritually. Thank you for joining me. Today I want to talk about head, heart, and feet. Now, head, heart, and feet. You know, we call this the recovered therapist because I put things in simple terms as opposed to psychobabble. But when I was studying for my master's degree and everybody was trying to impress each other with being in a master's program, good grief, I should have known right then. Anyway, um, the, the, the discussion in my classes were what theories of psychotherapy are you going to use? And um, they would bandy around words like um, cognitive, affective, and behavioral, of course, and thinking, feeling, and behaving. And I thought, okay, head, heart, and feet. And I remember a discussion in one of my professor's classes where it was like, Oh, if you use this theory, that's great, but it doesn't have a lot of techniques. But if you use this other theory with clients, that's more desirable because it shows you're a lot more uh, intellectual. And I sat there thinking, you know, I don't fit. (laughs) It's like, well, hello, what was your first clue? Um, I had that a lot in my my life. I don't fit here. So I thought, well, yeah, it's good to know these things, but what about the client? You know, what might work best on the client, with the client, for the client, whatever the the word is? And so I began looking at my clients and seeing where do they start? Are they head people? Are they heart people? Are they feet people? And I began kind of an informal research study. And I still, that's 30 years later, I still do the same thing with clients. So let's suppose you're walking down the street and you get news of something big and important. Now, I'm not saying whether it's good or bad. I'm saying just something big, something, you know, freeze-frame moment. Where does it hit you first? Head, heart, or feet? Do you want to do something? Is that your next move? Are you feeling something? Or are you your head racing 100 miles an hour? Now, let's say that this news that you received was something negative, something scary, something, whoa. What happens to you first? Does your head start racing with a bunch of worries and things and going in 30 direction? Do you feel overwhelmed by feelings? And you can either want to fight or flight or freeze, but your head's not really working well because your feelings are all over the place. Or lastly, do you immediately need to move? 
Do you have to leave wherever you are? Do you have to walk? Do you have to pace? Do you have to hit the wall? Do you have to do something physical? Usually, we have a favorite way of reacting. It's not conscious. It's just the way we do it. And so ask yourself, get out a sheet of paper. Say, okay, I heard about this. Put, start out with all the negative things first, because we seem to be able to identify that easier than the positive. And say, okay, I learned of this. What was my reaction first? I reached for the phone and called somebody. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with feelings. What? Did I think immediately, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to solve this? How am I going to keep this under wraps? How am I going to do it? And then next, ask what your second go-to is. Because you might get hit with the feelings and then immediately need to move with your feet and go do something. Or you might get hit with the feelings first and have it go into your head. Okay, I need to call this person. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to cover my tracks here. I need to da da. And you're thinking before you actually do. So you can have a combo, but there's always one that hits you first. Now, along with this comes, sometimes people will say, you know, when I get hit with something, it feels like I got kicked in the stomach. Then you're more of a feeler. And it, then somebody else might say, oh man, when I hear something, my mind immediately races and I begin to sanitize it. I begin to think about it so much because if I think about it a whole lot, I can kind of wash it clean, um, sanitize it, get it parceled out in little tiny um, shapes and thoughts and put it, smash it up into my head and this little waffle brain of mine and have it all into little compartments in the motherboard. And, and by the time... Um, an hour passes or sundown, I will have sanitized it so much, I don't have any feelings around it. It's all just facts. Or do I immediately bolt? Do I immediately run? Do I hit somebody? Do I vote with my feet? Do I scream and shout? Do I bully somebody in response? Because that's the way I can get control. See, because when we get hit like that, we immediately seek safety. Instinctually, we look for safety. And so the way you respond is how you make yourself safe. So as a therapist, or as a coach, if you're listening, or as a mom or a dad or a brother or a husband, wife or whatever, as someone who cares for the other party, ask yourself, are they a thinker, feeler, doer, what? So if I'm trying to help somebody, assist people through this landmine of personal development, if I'm a feeler and I want to grow, then I've got an overdeveloped feeling component and I need to get it kicked up into my head or get into movement. So let's say I'm a feeler and my feeler is I get frozen. Well, maybe my next move toward health would be to take baby steps. What can I do to take baby steps? 
Well, I might have to go into my head first and make a list or think or help you make a list or you may make help me make a list. What's the next baby step that I can take? Now, if I'm a f- complete feeler and I get so emotional, I'm histrionic. The last thing I need to do is to continually talk about my feelings. It's like, yeah, okay, but now what are we going to do? What thought is driving this insanity into feelings? What thought is driving this bus? Let's get to the root of that and then counteract it with that is not true for today or that was not true, that's not accurate. You counteract it with other cognitive head exercises Or if you're the impulsive kind that you feel something and then all of a sudden you're impulsive, then let's take an inventory of what do you do, what do you say, and is it working for you, is it working against you? See, growth will depend on where you are and what you need to pull into balance. Give an example. In my family, anger was okay. Righteous indignation, perfect. I cut my teeth on it. Outrage. I could be outraged. Now, not all feelings were acceptable, but outrage, especially if it was a principled outrage, was okay. Well, that set me up for channeling all the emotion into something that made sense. Everything had to make sense. And so freedom for me came at some point when I said, I feel like doing so-and-so, and and I'm going to do it, and it may not make any sense. But so for me, not going up into my head and having it make sense and just acting on it was progress. Now, there were times that I would get hit with something and my outrage would, the anger would take over and I would want to move then into doing. So I would email you, write you a letter, tell you off, want to go file a lawsuit. You know, I, I was went to law school for a period of time and what I know is that I don't dare have, was in this lifetime I was not allowed to have unlimited financial resource and a law degree at the same time because I probably would have filed a class action suit for everything from A to Z. So when I get overwhelmed with feelings, I don't always want to think it out and sanitize it, but at the same time, I also don't want to act on it to where it will shoot myself in the foot. So that's why that phrase from Uh, One of my other pieces of literature, this is nothing pays off like restraint of pen and tongue. Well, that one needs to be tattooed on my forehead. I've learned never when I'm writing my outraged email, never, never, never put anybody in the address slot. So it can't send without me thinking on it. And I'll write, I'll really tell you off and get on my moral high ground and 
have nothing in the subject and nothing in the address, and I'll put it in drafts and sit on it a day or so. So that's personal growth for me. So I ask you to think about what do you get hit with first and where do you go second and what needs to be tempered. (laughs) I can also get into impulse shopping. I don't know why it is that every time I see anything on uh, sale on uh, the sales channels on TV or any of the ads that pop up on my feeds, lots of it just looks like I have to have it. And so one more time, I have put into place things that I will do or things that I will see so that I don't get into that feet first. Get the feeling, oh, that'd be nice. Click. And then when the MasterCard bill comes in, the hangover starts. So do a little inventory and see where do you usually start out and where's personal growth for you. Thank you for listening to The Recovered Therapist, where we keep topics honest, simple, and hopeful. I love you. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next time.